Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Uh, Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth wasn't able to conceive and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, uh, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, he is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah answered the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you, to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words which will come true at that appointed time. Meanwhile, The people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Uh, When he came out, he couldn't speak. They realised that he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he's shown this favour and taken away my disgrace from among the people. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you shall call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will rule over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
How will this be, since I am a virgin? Mary asked the angel. Uh, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive it is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant. May your word, word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, but his mother spoke up and said... No, he's to be called John. Well, they said to her, well, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him 
to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Thanks, Gabriel, Elizabeth, Mary. Well done, well read. (laughs) This time of year, uh, Christmas time, uh, generally promises so much, right? And I suspect given the downer of the last couple of years, our hopes are higher than usual this time around uh, because it's not just what Christmas time is promising, it's what I suspect we feel is owing us. So, for instance, you know, that catch up with family and friends, that's just a no-brainer. Uh, that, that's just going to happen. That, that holiday, that good time, that party, that splurge on a luxury item, that extra special gift, these are just what we're expecting, almost uh, non-negotiables, right? Uh, it's been so hard, of course, after the, the last little while. Now it's time for some freedom and some fun. Uh, and these are good, good, good things, things to enjoy. But, and I'm not saying I want this, but it's possible these things may not happen. And even if they do, I wonder if they'll live up to the hopes and the expectations that we've put in them. Now, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just pointing out the fact that at the end of the day, we can't say with absolute certainty, yep, that catch up with family and friends, it'll definitely happen and it'll be the best thing ever. Uh, That holiday, it's going to meet all my hopes and dreams. Now, that good time... uh, that's going to satisfy me, it'll complete me, that, uh, that party, that luxury item, that they're, they're going to satisfy my existence, fulfil the purpose for which I live. I mean, saying it out loud just sounds uh, ridiculous, I know. Of course they won't. But I wonder if we, even if we don't say it, that that's what we're actually believing or, or hoping or wishing, that we're actually pinning our hopes on what these things promise. These good things, uh, what they promise, but can't, actually, with all certainty, say they can deliver on. Now, wouldn't it be great, though, to have absolute confidence in the promise of something really, really good this Christmas time? Something that no lockdown, no or COVID or max out credit card or family strains or sickness or worry can ever stop happening. Because that's the promise, not of this Christmas period and all the good things with it, uh, but of the Christmas story, which is where we're going today uh, in this passage that we just had read. And we're going to see, firstly, that this story is God's promises fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, Secondly, recorded for us to grow us in our faith. And thirdly, uh, all by the Holy Spirit. So, first up, the Christmas story that we just read as the whole of the Gospel of Luke, uh, is written with a purpose. And the purpose is of showing that Jesus fulfills God's promises. That's what the author Luke uh, says right at the start of his Gospel. Uh, We didn't read that. Uh, We heard a little bit of it in uh, the kid spot. But this is what Luke starts off with when he writes uh, Luke. He says, Many have undertaken uh, to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled amongst us. What are those things? Well, the things that Luke goes on to write about. Uh, including the Christmas story that we just read. Uh, they're all the events and happenings surrounding the life, death, resurrection and mission of Jesus 
these things, they, they were already recorded by others at the time, and Luke, he wants to make a record of them as well, and he's keen to highlight how they fulfil God's promises. And his sources, in drawing up his account, well, they're eyewitnesses, as he says, uh, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Now, the word there, uh, that's the message about Jesus, a message told by people who were there and they heard and they saw Jesus, what he did and what he said, uh, and the events surrounding him to highlight he's the fulfilment of God's promises. So, as we read, uh, Gabriel tells Zechariah that he's going to have a son, John, who'll grow up to be John the Baptist, who will, read in verse 17, go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers and to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Elijah, he was, an, he was a prophet of old, a prophet God used powerfully to get the word out to his straying people to turn back to him. Uh, in the same way, John the Baptist will powerfully proclaim a similar message for people to turn back to God and in so doing prepare the way for God to come to them. As God says through another prophet, uh, Malachi, hundreds of years before John, uh, we read this. Malachi the prophet said, See, or God through him said this, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. John the Baptist He is the fulfilment of God's promise that he will send a messenger in the spirit and power of the prophet Elijah to prepare the way for God. Which is, of course, a reference to Jesus. God come in the flesh. Jesus fulfills God's promises. Then again, we read uh, Gabriel tells Mary that her son, uh, he will be great and he will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end, which is an obvious reference to the promises that God made to King David a thousand years beforehand, saying to him, of his descendant, I will be his father and he will be my son. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Jesus is the fulfilment of God's promises. And again, Mary recognises this too after Elizabeth says to her, uh, verse 45, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Finishing up, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God made a, a number of promises to Abraham and his descendants the Israelites, not the least, to remember the covenant made with them, to be their God and they his people, to bless them and to make them a blessing to the nations. And here, along with Zechariah later on, Mary sees her divine pregnancy as grounds to praise God for his covenant faithfulness as he keeps his promises. And that her first unborn son, her unborn son, uh, is the fulfilment of God's mercy to Israel and to all the nations. This Christmas story... It's written to show that Jesus fulfills God's promises. And so when he promises then to forgive us and to never leave us and to give us eternal life, we can rejoice and sing like Mary and Zechariah did that in Jesus God 
keeps his promises. That's, that's the first point. God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus. And the second point is they're recorded here in Luke so that we might grow in our faith as Luke explains from verse 3 where he says, Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. On the back of eyewitness testimonies that he's gathered, from people like Zechariah, Elizabeth, Joseph, Mary, uh, Luke wants his readers to be certain about Jesus, what they've been taught about him. Now, his immediate reader is some dude called Theophilus. Uh, He calls him most excellent, not in a Bill and Ted kind of way, but as if he were talking to someone important or wealthy. And even though nobody really knows now who Theophilus is, Luke knows full well that more than Theophilus is going to read what he's written. And given his writing to encourage this guy in what he already knows about Jesus, and his name is Theophilus, Theophilus means something like loved of God, then it's not a stretch to say that the Gospel of Luke, that this Christmas story, uh, it's for all who know something of God's love in Jesus so that they might be assured and encouraged in their faith. So whatever that thought or that question that you noted during the reading, it's worth following it up. And as you do, to expect your faith to grow. Because that's why God had it written by Luke. This this Christmas story, it's not just a good story to sing some carols along to and get the family feels. Uh, It's designed specifically to assure you and to encourage you in your faith in Jesus. So get familiar with it. I know many of us here would say we're familiar with this story, but you may have been surprised by some of the details. Maybe something that you've forgotten or that struck you today more than on other occasions, uh, why not read it again when you get home? Or as you gather as family and friends? Or go on that holiday or enjoy good times or that luxury item? Talk about the Christmas story. Talk about the details as recorded here in Luke. Maybe even retell it uh, to each other to get more familiar with the whole story. Give all the characters nicknames, for instance. Zeki, Lizzie, Gabes, Mazza, Joe and Johnny B. There's some suggestions (laughs) You know, you know those stories that uh, always get an airing at family occasions or when reminiscing with friends, you know, the, the, the classic dad or mum story uh, from their youth, uh, like going to the beach with granddad who embarrassingly wore a handkerchief on his head. Uh, thanks, mum and dad. <laughs> I can remember my dad, um, who's right there. Uh, on more than one occasion, when my brother and I were pretty little, telling us the story of Jonah in the belly of the fish, playing with his Lego. And it's stuck in my brain. <laughs> well, why not be known by your kids and your family and your friends as the one who loves to tell the Christmas story? With all the bits that don't normally get mentioned. Like Zechariah freaking out in the temple when Gabe rocks up and says, boo, only kidding, don't, don't freak out. <laughs> um, or Johnny B, the Baptist, leaping in his mum's womb at the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb. Why not memorise Mary's song? If you're musical, write a tune to it and perform it for your family and friends. Get an advent calendar. Uh, We, as a family, didn't do it this year, but I wish we'd been organised enough to, because on other years that we've done it, it's been really, really good for our family. That's the second point. Uh, God's promises are fulfilled in Jesus and they're recorded here 
in Luke to grow our faith. Which comes to the final point, uh, by the Holy Spirit. As I was reading through this passage again, I was struck afresh at just how much the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Uh, He's kind of like the through line on which the pearls of each bit of this story hang. So, as Gabriel meets Zechariah in the temple, he says of his son-to-be, he will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he's born. And then, of course, as Gabriel meets with Mary and she asks him how it's going to be possible to have a baby since she's a virgin, what does Gabriel say? He says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And then when Mary and Elizabeth uh, meet, we read, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in a womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. To finally, when John the Baptist is born and Zechariah's dad praises God, we're told his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Prophesied of the coming of God's salvation, of the forgiveness of sins and his mercy to those in darkness, which we all know comes to fulfilment in Jesus. And importantly, we're told elsewhere that prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says of those who will write the New Testament, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And elsewhere we're told all Scripture is God-breathed. That is All of the Bible is the breath or spirit of God. It's from God, which means the Holy Spirit. The very same Holy Spirit who anticipated Jesus coming hundreds and thousands of years beforehand through the prophets, who conceived Jesus in Mary's womb and who moved Jesus' disciples to remember the truth, to tell the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done and is doing, is the same very, the same Holy Spirit who inspired the Bible that we have before us and who lives in those who believe in Jesus, as the Apostle Paul comments to some uh, Christians early on. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? People receive the Holy Spirit as they believe in Jesus. The same Holy Spirit who points to Jesus, incarnates Jesus, illuminates Jesus in the scriptures and unites us to Jesus as we believe in him. Amazingly then, because of the Holy Spirit, the Christmas story, the wonderful story of God coming to his people in the flesh, in the man Jesus Christ to save us and to love us into eternity, that story is linked to us by the Holy Spirit, linked to us so profoundly by the Holy Spirit that the Christmas story is now our story as we remember Jesus and grow in our faith in Jesus and celebrate all God's promises fulfilled in Jesus, it's all because of the Holy Spirit. All praise to him. He is truly and wonderfully God with us and he rightly deserves to be adored and glorified. All praise to the Holy Spirit. He is truly and wonderfully magnificent. In the Christmas story, we have nothing less than the promise of God himself drawing near to us to save us in Jesus and to strengthen our faith in Jesus and to live with us and in us 
by the Holy Spirit now and forever. Now, in comparison with this, the promise of everything else this Christmas season just seems less. And with that, perhaps less disheartening if they don't happen or if they don't meet our expectations. Because in Jesus, we have God himself. He's, he is like the best Christmas tree that we can enjoy decorating with trinkets and baubles of other lesser good things, but if they break or if they fall off or there are only a few of them, the tree remains. It's still Christmas time where we have the promise of God himself in the coming of Jesus. And that is something to celebrate and enjoy and savour. And I'm going to pray that we would do that over this Christmas period. Let's, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for your immense goodness and kindness to us that you have fulfilled your promises made through the prophets, down through the ages, in the person of Jesus. We thank you that through Jesus we have the promise of forgiveness of sins, the promise of eternal life with you, the promise of you being with us now, the promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that you had the story of Jesus written down for us so that we might be strengthened and encouraged and grow in our faith. Help us to take that word and enjoy it and read it and study it and tell each other about it and remember that we are it is illumined in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, the very same Holy Spirit who conceived Jesus in Mary's womb, the very same Holy Spirit who was there at the beginning, right through, anticipating him, bringing him to be, enabling us to believe in him and dwelling in us now and forever. These are incredible and wonderful blessings. Help us to remember and savour this incredible gift of you, yourself, in Christ, by the Holy Spirit, this Christmas period. And to praise and glorify you as is your due. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.